Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. Welcome to the Side Action, episode two of season four, episode 101 for you guys counting. I am Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at SideActionPod on Twitter. Uh, so, Action, obviously we're here. We're Opening night is tonight. We're taping on Thursday the 9th. Uh, we're going on our big trip tomorrow for the opening weekend. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, about two hours and ten minutes until kickoff here on the east coast i guess it's the same time frame for you in the central time zone but right. I, I don't know i i'm not super excited for this game for mm. whatever reason i guess it's just tom brady and tampa that's had me with little interest yeah. i'm more i'm more ready for the weekend yes yeah, sunday will be big and we'll talk about those games so how was your weekend you obviously uh were on another boat channel somewhere in the greater uh detroit area it was nice. We uh, took the boat out a couple times this weekend, went to Lake St. Clair, which is uh, the lake just to the east between Huron and Lake Erie, and just kind of tooled around, went through a bunch of islands and saw Canada for a few minutes. Oh. So that was cool. We stopped at a couple little bars along the channels and had some beers. And, and then on the way back across Lake St. Clair, it was super windy and I realized that the lake is way too big for our small boat and it was kind of tossing and turning us. Felt like we were in like some sort of adventure movie trying to get across the lake. The the waves were like splashing me across the face. It was rather yeah. miserable. Okay. So, you got a paddle on that boat just in case? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've got a paddle That's, and some life jackets. We'll be good. Nice. Uh, nice. How was your weekend? Well, huge AVP weekend. Uh, that's the what is the American Volleyball Professionals Association or whatever Association of Volleyball Professionals probably. So um, they had the tournament here in Chicago. It was the capping tournament for the season. Obviously, it was an abbreviated season with the Olympics, and we were lucky enough to get you know one of three events here in Chicago. And you know, actually, I don't know if you've ever been to the AVP, but one thing that's really different about other sporting events is the accessibility to the players. Uh, I went both on Friday and Saturday. I lost my voice a little bit on Saturday, so I didn't go on Sunday. But you can be so close to the players. I mean, the outer courts are, you know, you're within 10, 10 feet, you know, of, or so of the of the players. And after the games, you can go up and take photos, and they even play with you. Like when uh, some of my friends stuck around and played like King of the Court, which is kind of a you know, a multi-person uh, kind of game that you play instead of an actual game. And one of my buddies was playing with like Sarah Sponsel, who's like a really good player and, and with Kame Shaw. And uh, so it's just kind of one of these things that it's a different culture uh, from a, from a sports perspective. And all of my volleyball friends uh, were out there, were, you know, maybe snuck in some contraband alcohol, you know, shout out to, to Luke, my buddy, my Modelo buddy. Uh, he's a he's a listener now uh, as a result of of our hanging out this nice. summer. And um, but yeah, it's just a great scene and and, and I mean I, it was the end of a career for Jake Gibb, who's a kind of prolific player and, and blocker on the on the tour, and it was his last tournament. Got to see you know Dahlhauser and Lucena, who have been like the traditional great players, uh, but then the young guns are coming up, you know. So it's just it's been great and. Um, you know, had a great time. Uh, you got to see the, the Olympic team, you know, the A, the A team, as they call them, uh, you know, April Ross and Alex Kleinman, and they won the women's side. They, they dominate, so they won the gold medal in Tokyo, but also here. So it just was a great weekend. I played on Monday. I got to play in my own tournament, not quite as high level as the ABP, but there were some good players out there. And, in fact, our first match, we had to play a girl who – she was playing in the qualifier for the AVP. I don't know how she got in this tournament. So we got roasted. But um, the rest of the tournament was pretty fun and just a beautiful weekend in Chicago. Just great to, you know, say goodbye to summer. And it's still beautiful out now. But we know the, the winter's coming. So sorry, America. <laughs> That's right. It'll be here before we know it. That's right. That's right. So anyway, but I'm really looking forward to our big weekend in Vegas. We'll talk more about that at the end. But uh, it looks like you've already put some stuff on the contest, as most of you know who 
Listen, last week and to us last year, we're entering the big Circa Million cost contest, the Circa Million Three. Uh, they have this $4 million guaranteed payout, but as of this morning, they have only 3,444 entries are actually as of this taping. So there's a, still a big overlay out there, actually. Yeah, um, I still think that it's probably going to get to the 4,000 4, uh, mm-hmm. entry mark and uh, get to that $4 million threshold, much like last year. The very last weekend, they went well above the total. So I, I fully expect there won't be an overlay by the time we sign up on Saturday morning. Yeah, and the good news is if it goes over the $4 million, there will be additional payouts, and especially in the quarterly contest, which is great. Uh, so that's nice. They did that last year. I did hear Mike Palm, you know, the Palm Reader guy who's, uh, who works for Circa, um, you know, with Mitch and Pauly, and they were talking about he thinks they're going to hit up maybe 4200 just kind of okay. his bogey. Uh, they did have a bet, like an overrun, it will be like 38-12, but he's saying that they're doing you know a couple hundred a day right now, so they still have a couple days left, and I'm sure there's a big ramp up like us going out there for the weekend. Yeah, the big news that is on all the talk shows is the Survivor Contest, mm-hmm. which is also a $1,000 entry, and I think Derek guaranteed $6 million for that contest mm. this year. And right now that one's only at like 3,100. So they have a long ways to go in that one. And I think a lot of the pros out in Nevada are talking about that being a major overlay, which Mm -hmm. is just your pretty standard survivor contest. Right. Yeah. Standard survivor. I mean, I've thought about it. If it was, (laughs) can't really afford $2,000 contest action, not this year. Uh, Maybe at some point when my daughter Sophia is through college. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Survivors, I went pretty late last year. My little Survivor that I do was like a $10, but it was a, still a great payout, like three grand or something to the winner. I think I got the week uh, 10 or 12 or something like that. I mean, sometimes you hit those streaks and other times it can be just Armageddon in week one, you know, so it's it, they're really fun. But, yeah, I, I'll get a little more entries in that. I've heard some chatter, though, if Tampa Bay loses tonight, that could knock out a huge number of entries, and then we could potentially be starting at a big advantage if, say, like 800 or so entries get knocked out tonight. Go Cowboys. So you're saying when you when you roll the dice on Friday night, <laughs> that's right. It's the victory. We got an extra grand. Let's throw it in the let's throw in the survivor too. Yeah, we can just take a yellow chip right over to the uh, sports book. <laughs> that's right. I like that yellow chip. Uh, all right, let's talk, too, about big picture. There's some a lot of things happening in the NFL. One is, obviously, Hurricane Ida has kind of, you know, done a lot of damage in, in New Orleans, so they've relocated that game. And it's not just for this week. It's up to eight weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, New Orleans is really in a bad spot again, and it's going to impact the Saints season, which is appropriate for our discussion here because they're, they're essentially not going to be able to play at the uh, – the Mercedes-Benz Dome um, for two months. And so it's going to be interesting to see how the Saints get out of the gate. You know, they're already without a healthy Michael Thomas, and they've got the new starting quarterback in Jameis Winston. So um, New Orleans could be a team that struggles to get in sync early on. Absolutely. You've also listed that the NFC teams have a bunch of road games this week. It's just kind of like an interesting one. Nine nine of the NFC teams are on the road, whereas – Nine AFC teams are at home, a little bit of a home and away advantage this week. I'm sure it'll flip, but, uh, you know, it kind of rolls into a question you have next is, do you think there's going to be a home field advantage this year, whereas last year was basically negated, wasn't it? Yeah, last year we saw that the road teams really had an advantage. I mean, well, more so an advantage than what we're used to. So mm-hmm. with the fans coming back and the stadiums across the the league this year it's in, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that reverts back to what we're historically seeing or whether that home field advantage might actually be less than what we've normally seen pre-covid have right. you given any thought to that wags well i mean when you think about home field advantage i mean obviously you have like the seattle you know the 12th 12th man and people going crazy and stuff but it, i think a lot of it is more about you know false start penalties or you know that kind of thing getting the offense uh, it's really a disadvantage for the offense, isn't it? Most more often than not, where you kind of have that situation where they're in a, you know, they're in a comeback mode. The, the crowd's going crazy. They can't get their audibles called. I mean, that's kind of where it is. I mean, certainly there's passion, and and I'm sure people play better at home because they got to sleep in their own bed. But last year kind of proved that without the crowd noise, 
you could actually hear the, the audible calls on the, you know, I mean, <laughs> you could hear on the telecast. Um, so that means everybody could. So it sounds to me that I think there is going to be more of an advantage, but who knows if it's going to be full. I don't know if every stadium is going to be packed to the gills. I mean, I've been to a couple of Cubs games. No, actually, they've been winning. They, they still suck. But um, I wouldn't say it's an advantage to play in, in baseball, but in football, it always seems like an advantage to me. Yeah. I've, I've heard some uh, folks consider that some of the sophomore quarterbacks might have the biggest hurdle from going from what they saw last year in all these empty stadiums and now going in packed houses could have even more of an effect that it might um, be greater than even the rookies or some of the more um, tenured quarterbacks. Sure. So you're talking about Herbert and Burrow. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it's a big, big difference. And not to mention, you know, obviously the travel is probably born back to normal. I don't know if it's if it was normalized last year. Last year was kind of unique with the testing. Um, anyway, you also had a note about Sunday night and, and Monday night considerations. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Yeah, it's just, you know, trying to think about how typically we as as mm-hmm. a partner, a duo here, tend to gravitate to those Sunday night and Monday night games historically. Right. And I wonder, I've given some thought to if that has to do with just being the bigger games of the week. We feel that we have more knowledge about them because they're typically going to be better teams, more higher profile. And I was just wondering, wanted to see what your thoughts were about if we could use that as a strategy to see if maybe we want to, want to try and back off those a little bit more this season. I mean, I think last year we didn't do a lot of Monday night games. It seems like we did a lot of Sunday. We always stay away from the Thursday night game, which is, you know, for the people that are new in our audience, the way Circa works is if you play the Thursday night game, you have to put all five of your picks prior to that kickoff, which really puts the pressure. You only get two hours to analyze your your, your data, and also you're kind of rolling the dice with injuries. So we usually throw off those today, and that puts us on the Sunday card and then maybe Monday. I, I'm not against that strategy. I think it makes sense. I think we, we've done that in the past, even last year, where we try to stay away from the big pick games, try to do kind of contrarian yeah. approach, where we were trying to pick games that were maybe either not as well picked or take the opposite side, right? And I'm all for that. I mean, we want to try to win the contest, not just do okay. So if you think that that's the case, I mean, certainly the flex games on Sunday are usually almost always pretty good, at least the second half of the season. Monday's duds, you know, so. True. Yeah. Yeah, no. Just something I was thinking about. Hey, I like that. I mean, the guy's got great hair and a, and a good noodle. He's thinking about some <laughs> good stuff. Uh, well, let's get into this this week. So this is our normal format. We're going to be, you know, as weeks as weeks go on, we'll talk a little bit more about metrics. This first week, we don't have anything. I mean, we had three preseason games that were essentially meaningless because not that many people played that much uh, football. So now what we'll do is we're just going to roll in. This is more of our preseason takes, I suppose, and what we've heard Whereas after week three or four, we're looking at some deep metrics to figure out which teams are actually playing better. Um, I think some of the last season's data is still applicable in many cases, especially for teams that didn't have a lot of turnover, like Tampa Bay, for example. I would expect their offense is going to be looking a lot like last year. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's kind of a factor. Um, So we'll go over it. We'll kind of glaze over tonight's games. And it's already, you know, essentially by the time you listen to this, it'll be in action. But Tampa is now a pretty heavy favorite in this game. They opened as a six-point favorite at home, all the way up to nine in the contest. Do you think that that's just trying to bait, trying to get people to, to put that on the card? I mean, that's a pretty big number. I mean, consensus is eight, you know, an eight-point favorite. Nine's a big number. It's almost like, please take Dallas on this one, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I would expect that the contest picks are going to be higher to Dallas than Tampa Bay at this mm-hmm. number. But, I mean, to be honest, I – I think that Tampa Bay is going to come out firing tonight. And right. I, I have a feeling that Dallas is going to be in a little bit of hurt. And I don't know what to expect out of Dak Prescott. And they could try to rely on the running game, which might be a great strategy against most opponents, but not the Bucks. Their front seven is going to shut down Zeke tonight in the running game. And it's all going to be on Dak and the receivers. So I'm interested to see how Dak performs here in week one. Yeah, he's got to go all out. Uh, I don't really like the way they looked on hard knocks, <laughs> as you, we've talked about it. Uh, you know, we, we, McCarthy stinks. Just keep saying that. 
But um, yeah, nine points a lot. But you know, Tampa certainly is 100% healthy and ready to go. And Dallas, I think Zach Martin's hurt again. So mm-hmm. it's one of these things that Dallas is going to be at a disadvantage. And they're they're probably a little out of class there. But I'm definitely going to watch the game. So oh yeah. <laughs> well, let's yeah, get to the turning clock. off the TV tonight, Wags. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> I might go foreshadow. So shout out to the nice. foreshadows. You know our favorite Chicago bar. We'll we'll see if I can get over there. I uh, could change get over there after this. So the um, one o'clock slate, you know, it's Eastern time. There's a ton of games. You put the first one on the top. I maybe was going to kick it to later, but Pittsburgh going to Buffalo. This is a rematch from last season. Uh, you know, started off as five and a half on the opener. You know, the, the total's 51. I didn't mention the total in the other game. It's, it's, 50, it's 51 and a half. But uh, 51 was the opener. Now it's it, the Bills at six and a half in the contest. Um I'm curious to hear what you have to say. I have some opinions on this one, actually. How about you? Well, I have already bet the Bills minus six and a half months ago, actually. Um, and and that was really just understanding what their offense is going to be like this season. I think that Josh Allen is going to take a huge leap forward. And I expect that their offense is going to be really, really good this year now. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh's defense is certainly one of the better ones in the league, although they did lose some key pieces off of that unit in the offseason. I did see that they finally got Watt to sign his contract this afternoon. So okay. that was that was initially part of my handicapping, too. I wasn't sure how ready to play Watt was going to be, but I think now that he's got his money, he'll be ready to go on Sunday. And um, I, I still would probably lean to the Bills, but I think think that uh, it's not with strong conviction for our contest purposes. What do you think? I'd be on the Steelers here, buddy. Uh, I'm not totally against you here, um, but I love the Bills on the season. I'm I'm a big Bills backer. Uh, I was last year, too. Josh Allen's my guy. I've been pumping him up for two years, even in my draft preview a couple years ago. But I don't don't like this number. It's a big number. Pittsburgh's a very good team, great defense. I mean, it's almost seven points. That's uh, you know, that's kind of a beatdown territory. It's like you know, like the third, third or fourth highest, you know, spread on the board here. Uh, I would take points all day on this one. I may do that at, when we go to Circa on uh, you know on Saturday. What do you make of the line move from uh, opener in early summer of five and a half, and now we're looking at six and a half? Do you think any real reason for that? I think the Bills look great, especially when they had Allen out there playing. I think, well, they, they beat up the Bears. But when they were at full strength in the one preseason season game for a half, Josh Allen looked incredible. They, they lit it up that day, so I'm sure that's part of it. So I think they are you know, putting this line a little high in the contest because they want somebody to bet Pittsburgh. But um, I do think that that kind of makes sense. I don't think Pittsburgh's done anything poorly. I mean, they haven't really addressed the offensive line still. Right. I just think full health, you know, even with the loss of Dupree, I don't know. I, it's not going to be a slugfest by any means, but I think it's six and a half is a lot of points just for me. Uh, well, we can let that. We probably won't pick that one, but, you know. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Here's one. Um, first of all, we should say for our new listeners, Action loves the underdog, so him picking a favorite is incredible. <laughs> this is this just in 2021. He's on yeah. two favorites already. It's a new league, Wags. I don't know. Uh, all the offense that we've seen last year, we didn't, we didn't even talk about how scoring was up at a record number in 2020. So I think right. that when you're looking at some of these numbers, that you know the keys are three and seven, and really uh, with the scoring values being so much higher, then I think there might be some value in favorites. I'm turning over a new leaf. Wow. I, and, and I'm on the opposite. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> So here's the next one. We've got the, the Jets going to Carolina. Uh, it opened as three and a half, 43 and a half point total. It's right up. Actually, consensus has it up to five and a half. Uh, Carolina being favored and a 44 and a half point total. But in the contest, it's three and a half for the for the Panthers. So it goes kind of back to there. I think that they're kind of looking at both sides uh, of it. By the way, we did a, a text from Dempsey who's going to be on the trip and a picture of his room from Circa. I mean, with the post stats. Um, right. But anyway, um, I actually agree with this line. I think that if it came out at five or four and a half, like I was seeing earlier in the week, I'd be all over the Jets here, baby. I, I don't. I've heard glowing reports about Zach Zach Wilson, and I haven't seen the kid play. And I was one of those guys who thought he was overdrafted. 
but I heard he's playing really well. You talked about Sala. He's got that locker room. Carolina's a solid team, but, you know, revenge game for Sam Darnold and all. But I think that uh, this is going to be a really, you know, probably a pretty close game. Three and a half, you get the hook there. I'm not saying we have to do it for the contest, but I'd be on the Jets here. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious where that five and a half came that's shown on the consensus lines here. I'm looking at fours now yeah. this, uh, this evening. So, I mean, pretty close to what the current number is. I think that maybe the Circa odds makers brought that down to three and a half because they might be suspecting a little bit of value on the Jets. Um, I'm not really sure that I can get there right now without seeing how Zach Wilson is going to be ready for prime time. And, you know, I have a lot of questions about Carolina, too. So, to be honest, I had lined this one up kind of just as a pass. Yeah, I see at Rivers it's four and a half. So I do think it's an one of those anticipatory lines that, that Circa's kind of making a stand, which makes sense. Well, let's go to the other uh, kind of battle of lowbrow teams where your Jacksonville Jaguars are going to Houston. Uh, Jacksonville opened up as a two-point favorite on, on the road, 46-point total. It The consensus is three on the road favorites, 44 and a half. The contest has three and a half. I can't do it, dude. I, yeah. I know Houston's the worst team in the, in the league, but home team, Tyrod Taylor is a decent ball player. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot. I'd be on the I'd be on the the home fa- uh, the home dog here. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I I really was all lined up to try and go against the public in this game with Houston, but they just traded away. I think yesterday their number one cornerback, Roby, I think is his name. Right. Um, really, really. Uh, I I think that was a sign of uh, things to come and what they have planned for their season. I mean, we talked about last week, the quarterback who shall not be named is not going to be seen. And uh, I don't know. Close. I don't know who's going to be playing and as bad as Jacksonville might be. I think Houston might be trying to lose already. Okay. Okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, I just, uh, it's tough to see a team at home against. I mean, the Jacksonville's no good. I mean, you know, division game too. Division. Yeah, we always know those division games. So I mean, I'm not gonna ever say we get to take that in the contest, but if we want to control. You think the public's gonna be on Jacksonville, right? Eighty percent right now, Wags yeah. of the cash is on Zach, Jacksonville. Sixty percent of the tickets though, so it's a little bit more split on the ticket count. Right. Right. Okay, I, well, could, go I could definitely be convinced on uh, Sunday morning to look at a Houston spread, but I'm not sure about the contest. Yeah, yeah. we got to pick our five best. How about this one? Here's the pitch. Uh, Arizona going to Tennessee. Tennessee opened up as a two-and-a-half point favorite at home, 51-and-a-half total. The total's up to 52. Consensus says minus three, which that's the contest line of Titans minus three. I've heard a lot of sharps picking Arizona in this one. Mainly what I heard was you get, uh, what's his name, Kingsbury some time and offense against kind of a bad defense, which you talked about last week, despite obviously we love Derrick Henry and, and that running game. But Arizona healthy now, especially with Kyler Murray, they're going to put up some points in this one. I think they're a live dog in this one, action. Yeah, I'm in agreement on this game. I like Arizona with the points. I think you touched on it that Kyler Murray, for me, is the number one part of this handicap you saw early last season when he was actually running the ball, their offense was way more dynamic and they right. were a bit able to score in bunches. And then he hurt that shoulder and he just wasn't the same quarterback. So yeah, could be aggressive running the ball. They've added AJ Green, who I think is going to be a sneaky play in fantasy. And I'm looking at receiving props for AJ and also Rondell Moore, boiler up. That's right. I, was, I knew you were going to mention it, boy. <laughs> so I, I'm definitely like in Arizona and this too. The question I have is how do you think that Arizona run defense is going to hold up against King Henry? They probably won't, but I think this is a shootout. I think 52 is actually a little low uh, to be honest with you in this one. So I think this is going to be a high scoring game and it should be a really fun game to watch. It's at the one o'clock slate. So what is that? Uh, 10 o'clock, nine o'clock. Gosh, four hours. That's right. So it's two hours. Ten. In. You're right. Ten. College football starts at nine o'clock. I was like, wow, that's only. But uh, yeah, so the 10 o'clock slate, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this one and I'm definitely gonna have some money on this game. Sweet. Okay. This is another one I, I definitely like in our contest is the chargers are going to Washington. Uh, well, this is an interesting line move. 
The Chargers opened as a two-point favorite on the road with a 44.5-point total. Consensus still has them as a one-point favorite. I don't know if that's up to the minute. Uh, I'm seeing, obviously, in the contest, now Washington's the favorite by one point. Uh, I'm seeing that also at Rivers at one point. So there's a lot of conflicting uh, choices here. When I first saw the the line at minus two, I was all over Washington. I love this team defensively. To your point about, you know, you said maybe Herbert's going to have a sophomore slump. I like the Chargers. I said that in, in, our, in our opener last week, but I like Washington more. I, I've talked about the future tickets that I'm going to buy when I get out to Circa. So what are your take? what's your take on this one? Yep, I'm in line. I've already bet Washington also. I did take the plus one before it flipped, and you're right. I think that the the line I had up here was from a couple of days ago. It's looking mm-hmm. like Washington is minus one across the board. So yep. not a major move, really, from across zero, one on either side. Right. But I, for me, it's just going against the Chargers and their new offense, really. I mean, Herbert's back, and they have a lot of the same pieces back, but – you're talking about a new head coach, a uh, new offensive coordinator, and right. none of their starters played in the preseason. You know, uh, Staley comes from the McVay tree where they just don't give a flying F about the preseason. And right. I think that's really going to be problematic for them in week one, especially against this Washington defense. They are going to be monsters. So yeah. I'd be happy to go against the Chargers. Yeah, me too. So, hey, we're, we're in agreement, uh, although I've talked to was it, it was Ulrich yesterday. He listened to the podcast. He goes, you guys need to disagree more. I'm like, well, we can <laughs> in this podcast, but not on our picks. So, um, anyway, well, let's go to the next one. So, Philly is going to Atlanta. Again, kind of a lowly matchup here. Uh, Atlanta opened as a four-point favorite at home, 47.5-point total. The consensus has it down to three, and, and as well as the contest, three-point favorite for uh, Falcons. 48-point total. To me, it's a stay away. I don't know about you, Action. I don't like either of these teams. I can see maybe you could maybe talk me into Philadelphia only because you get points. But, you know, Atlanta has this – I'm not sure what to expect out of this team. I don't know what either team has. You know, Robert, what's his name? Uh, what's the coach? What's the coach's uh, coach? Sirianni. For, wait, which oh, side? <laughs> it's a battle of new coaches, the other guy. Yeah. Uh, he was the coordinator from Tennessee – Right, 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 right. I gotta go I back to my notes. His name either. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that if I was looking at this game, it'd be the underdog Eagles. I I believe that they're gonna have an advantage uh, in the trenches on both sides. Their defensive line is still pretty legit. Right. And uh, I think going up against that weak and shaky offensive line for Atlanta could be tough for them. So. I, I agree that I think it's probably a pass. This is a game I don't really want much of a part of. But if I had to lean, I would say the Eagles. Arthur Smith. Sorry, sorry, there America. You go. I was thinking like Roger Smith. I don't know where I came. Yeah, Arthur Smith is, is the coach. Again, battle of head coaches, neither of them I'm very impressed with. But mm-hmm. I think it's a stay away for the contest for me. Let's go to let's go to your squad. Uh, Seattle is facing Indy in Indianapolis. Uh, Indy Open is a two-point favorite. That must have been really early, maybe before Carson Wentz got injured. 52-point total. It Now consensus has flipped to two-and-a-half for the Seahawks on the road. 49-and-a-half-point total. And in a contest, it's all the way up to three. Now, I'm going to let you speak first. I have some feelings on this game, which may okay. be contrary to what you think. <laughs> well, I uh, I just think that this move is drastic. I mean, you said it. The the move was because of Carson Wentz's injury, and now Mm -hmm. he's back. I mean, he he got sick and he missed some practice time too, but I really don't think that uh, Carson Wentz missing some practice time is worth five and a half points. Now, I know there are some other players that are involved in that move too, namely uh, Quentin Nelson, the all-star guard for the Colts, but I just saw a practice report that he came back today too, and is expected to play. T.Y. Hilton can take it or leave it. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think he's a, a, a major player to this number either. So I really think that this is a major value play with Indianapolis. And um, I don't think that Seattle's defense is any good either. I expect there's going to be a ton of points in this game. I really like the over as well. 
Yeah, we agree again. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, I'm all over Indy in this game. I don't understand how you can – you're telling me Seattle's a, you know, I don't know. How good are they on a neutral field? I mean, Jesus. Right. This team, and this is Ridgeway's team. I don't see it. I think that Indy's defense is going to come to play. You like the over. I maybe go a little bit under here. I think Indy's defense is going to come up. And I know the Seattle's defense is really good. I mean, I mean, offense is really good, but – I like their defense. They're you know healthy, and they were really a top unit last year. As long as Wentz doesn't do what he's done the last couple of years and turn the damn ball over, they're gonna win this game. So this is one of my you know money line picks when I go to Circa uh, to get some money on there because I like it. I mean Jesus, they're probably plus whatever one sixty five or something at home. I mean it's crazy to me. Definitely. Uh, on the same side, that's bad. Uh, let's go to the next one. Again, kind of in this middle tier, Minnesota going to Cincinnati. Minnesota opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, 47-point total on the opener. It's really right around there, 47-and-a-half right now, and now I've gone up to three points in the contest and consensus. I can't really get on board with either one of these teams. I need to see these teams play personally action. I know that I like Joe Burrow last year. I was trying to get you to get on board with me a couple times last year when he was covering before he got hurt. Um, Minnesota's defense has got to be better, but mm-hmm. – I don't know. These teams are ho-hum to me. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think, I believe that this line is somewhat depressed on the Viking side because of their really poor performance in the preseason. Got it. And part of that had to do with very few starters playing too. It was kind of curious to see Mike Zimmer take that approach after he's historically been really focused on preseason games. So, it's kind of a curious decision in my mind, but I really I'm high on this Vikings team, and okay. I, I think that this is the one game this week that has the largest coach, coaching mismatch between sure. Mike Zimmer and uh, the Bengals coach, the, the butler of Sean McVay, Zach Taylor. So I, I think that's a, a big key for me. I also think that the Bengals are going to have a really hard time with Dalvin Cook. I, I'm targeting Dalvin Cook to have probably the biggest game out of any of the wide receivers or backs in the league this weekend. So I would like to lay the points with Minnesota. Mm, Okay. Well, it's definitely a contrarian pick. I'm not saying contrarian in the sense that, I mean, people are going to bet on Minnesota probably, but I don't think it'd be a popular contest pick. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, Uh, that's true. But that is yellow right now, action. But that is a yellow. (laughs) On it. Let's go to the, the last 1 o'clock game, and this is in your new home of Detroit. San Francisco, my team, 49ers, they're not really my team, but I like them this year, uh, are going there. They opened as a 7-point favorite, 47-point total. Consensus says 7.5, and, and the contest did that with the hook, 45-point total. I've heard Sharp say, just pound this number, they're going to destroy Detroit. I know that that's probably not right because it's a professional football team, uh, but San Francisco had a rough year last year. They started off really poorly, but they're 100% healthy. And I think they're going to make a statement in week one. I, I wish it was seven instead of seven and a half, but um, I'm on board with San Francisco in this one, buddy. Yeah, me too. I like this one. I, you know, I think it's something we'll have to talk about a little bit more, see where it falls in that like three, four, five range, six possibly. But um, this one to me has all the makings of that week one opener two years ago when Lamar Jackson and Baltimore went down to Miami and scored like a hundred points on them. <laughs> so I, I could see that happening this weekend in Detroit. Um, the, the Niners really have the, the offense. I think that Brandon Ayuk is prime for a breakout week and uh, the Detroit defense is really not going to be able to stop them. So I, I agree. I think the Niners are going to cover this and I suspect the hook was added to try to keep, a lot of people off this game. Right. Do you think that this will be a a popular contest pick? No, I don't just because it's a big number to Mm -hmm. lay in week one. And I I think it'll be middle of the road. I'm not sure it'll be in the top five, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Let's put it as least as yellow. We like that one. Yeah. Okay. So then we have some of the more, I guess not more marquee games, a couple marquee games here in the four o'clock window, 425 window. Uh, first, you've got the big one, Cleveland going to Kansas City. We know Kansas City. We love the Chiefs. They are they open as a six-point favorite. That's what it is in the contest still. It's kind of been steady. 53.5-point opener on the total, now 54.5. Should be a fun game. Definitely looking forward to watching this with you out there in Vegas. Uh, you know, it's hard for me to back 
the Chiefs at six, even though like two years ago, remember they covered every number known to man. I do like this Cleveland team a lot too. I think it's just going to be a competitive game. It's a stay away for me. I think it's going to be well bet. I think it's probably going to be the biggest handle on the weekend, which for those who don't listen a lot, that's how much money people bet on it. But I don't know about a contest pick here, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of curious to me. I was trying to think back in the playoffs last year when Cleveland went on the road to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I think that game closed at like 11, 10 and a half or 11. Mm-hmm. And now just with the off season, the game is now six. And uh, I don't know that the Cleveland moves, you know, the OBJ is back, I guess. I don't know that what happened between February, January last year and now September really warrants a move like that. So while initially I was kind of thinking that Cleveland might be the play, but I, I kind of looked back and did the comparison there and it has me pausing as well. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a seven point, seven and a half, you know, like that kind of thing. But, I mean, Cleveland obviously played really well. They probably should have won the game. And Mahomes got hurt. It's kind of hard to evaluate that on its face. But, yeah, if they put it too big, I think everybody would be on, you know, would be on the uh, Browns, right? So they probably put it a number, which just makes us pause. And it's smart. I mean, Circa's, you'll see this all year, America, if you're listening. They, uh, they do this. They do a really good job with these lines. Do you, do you think that the Cleveland defense is better suited to handle Mahomes and the Chiefs offense this time around? I do. I do. I think that they're going to they're not going to need a blitz. I think they're going to bring the pressure with the four. And I think their coverage is better this year. Now, granted, I mean, they, they're 100 percent healthy, right? I, I mean, everybody's healthy on the Chiefs. The offensive line is is revamped. They've got young guys and they've got some older guys that they've filled in. They obviously did the trade for Orlando Brown. They're going to be better than they won the Super Bowl. But, um, I mean, I've talked about it. Miles Garrett could be the guy this year. He could be the defensive MVP. So I just feel like it's, it's going to be a good game. I, I don't, it's tough to see this, gonna, this being a double-digit win for the Chiefs, but, you know, they, they've done it before. So. Yeah, true. All right, well, here's one we may just differ on. Miami is going to New England. New England open as a two and a half point favorite and a 45 and a half point total. It's down to 43 and a half in the total. Uh, and then in the contest, it's three and a half. They must be anticipating because that right now the consensus is three. They must be thinking that people are going to be betting up the Patriots. I'm hearing everybody pump up the Patriots, man. I, I and you included last week. I'm not on board. I, I know Mac Jones is going to be solid, but you really think that defense, they're not going to have Gilmore. Not that yeah. he was going to challenge them, but Miami's got a good team too. I I don't like this line. I'm on Miami in this game. Yeah, I um I I bet New England already at three, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a much different play than when we're talking about three and a half now, which is the contest line. And uh, I I don't know. I'm just I'm torn because I think that Belichick is going to have something ready for Tua and the offense. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mac Jones, Mac Jones is probably an upgrade over cam. I think you would sure. even agree with that. Right. But yeah. Yeah. my, my pause here is just on the opposite side of the ball. And I, I think that uh, the Patriots defense is going to be much improved over last year. And uh, however, I would never consider laying three and a half in the contest. So yeah. it's got to be like- Miami or pass. Yeah, it's Miami pass, and I like that this this number's going down. I think it's an underplay. I mean, these te- defenses are solid. you got a rookie queue. Tua did not light it up. He's got some guys that can make plays, but this te- these teams are going to play it close to the vest. It's going to be like a 17-10, 17-14 game. You know, it's going to be one of those kind of games. So, um, all right, well, let's go to the next one, which I'm not super excited about, but Denver is going to, to the Giants. The Giants open as a one-point favorite somehow. Uh, with the 43-point total. The consensus has flipped 100% to Denver. There's a lot of love for Denver right now, and it's a three-point favorite on the road, 42-point total. I've heard a lot of things. I listened to Vison a lot this week, action to get ready for the podcast. And, you know, Fangio, as much as I like him as a defensive coordinator, he has opened in two straight seasons. I think it was 0-4 and 1-3. and Yeah. He's not a great starter, at least as a coach so far. Uh, so when you look at their schedule, they got a cream puff schedule walking out, Denver does. But this is a road team. I don't like the Giants, but how can Denver be laying, you know, laying points on the road here? Well, I mean, I it, the line move certainly would lend you to think that 
John Elway is coming back to play quarterback <laughs> or something, you know? <laughs> but it's not. It's Teddy Covers. Yeah, I know and, Teddy Covers. Uh, Teddy Covers football games. This I, I did bet the Broncos already, but it was two and a half, and I think right. at three it's a totally different handicap here when you go on to the key number of three. Right. And I, I think that uh, it's probably something we should pass on. I do. But um, I don't know what to expect out of the Giants. I mean, we talked right. about it last week. The Denver defense is going to be nasty. So yep. it's a game I'm certainly interested to see how the Giants perform against that vaunted Denver D. Right. I like this as an under game, too. As 42 is a low, no, no number. But, mm-hmm. I mean, these, these offenses aren't going to do much, I don't think. Now, was Teddy, we talked about this before, Teddy covers. Well, he was a cover on the underdog, wasn't he? Was he a cover on the favorite as well? Well, that that's true. I mean, majority of the time, especially his last couple of uh, stints in in uh, Minnesota, and then he played in New Orleans that one season. Recall he covered a bunch of games. Um, I think you're right. It's, usually he is in that underdog role, but I'm sure he's covered some games as a fave too. Right, right. All right, well, let's move on to a couple of the highlight games here. We've got the last 4 o'clock game, which is, you know, that in Kansas City. So you got the AFC, you know, with Kansas City, and then the NFC one is here. Green Bay is going to New Orleans. Uh, we've already talked about this being played in Jacksonville, not in New Orleans. So New Orleans open as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home, 51-point total. Now it's totally flipped where consensus says three. Circa's making a choice here. They've put it up to four in the contest with a 50-point total right now. I, I mean, I was actually on New Orleans at three. I, I don't really like the Green Bay, how they're going to stack up against this New Orleans defense. However, to your point, maybe this you know discombobulation with Jameis and everything going around, maybe it's just not a good backer for you, but I really like New Orleans plus the four. It's, it's a neutral site game, not a home game. But, man, I, I can't see Green Bay. I, I mean, this is... That they think they're seven points better in, in Green Bay, huh? And that's what this is a side game. Yeah, I I actually bet New Orleans already as well at four and a half. So I think that I'm in agreement with you on this side. I think the line move is just too much. Right. I, I'm not sure that I know I know it's a distraction, obviously, and the New Orleans Saints players have been I think they've been practicing in Texas right. since the storm hit, but uh, I'm not sure it's going to be a distraction for this game this week. I, I think it's something that you're going to see build over the next six to eight weeks where they're constantly on the road week after week. But right. um, I do think that New Orleans is a pretty solid value here, catching four points on the neutral site. I mean, remember last season how nasty their defense was. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to be pretty good this year too, and they still have Sean Payton as a coach. Sean Payton's great. They are healthy. You know, I mean, obviously, it could be argued. Now, Jameis Winston, we know what he did two years ago. I mean, the guy threw 30 interceptions in the season. That's got to be a record. But um, at the end of the year, it was kind of questionable whether Bree should have been the quarterback for this team. And it, really, they should have beat the Bucks. And you know, we've talked about this many times in the playoffs. It wasn't necessarily Bree's fault, but were they better off with Jameis Winston or even Taysom Hill at the quarterback? So... On, on a paper, I, I think that this team is – they're really good. You know, it's just will Jameis turn the ball over, right? And that's where he screwed us two years ago many times. But well, I don't think Peyton's going to let that happen, and uh, I like the plus four. Jameis did have the LASIK eye surgery, too, remember, oh, since then. So, I mean, he's, now. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that was all the, because of vision. You couldn't see the player. <laughs> was standing right in front of his guy, right? Okay. Uh, well, let's go to the two night games. We've got, you know, we talked about it. Maybe we won't be chasing these games, but we got the the Bears going to the Rams. This is my beloved team. Not as high on them this year. The Rams open as a six and a half point favorite at home, 43 and a half point total. Total has gone up to 46 consensus wise and up to seven and a half consensus, which is the same in the contest of seven and a half. I don't disagree. I think that that Rams defense is going to manhandle Andy Dalton. But the Bears' defense is pretty good, and I don't, I'm don't. i not all in on Stafford. But McVay, I think he's going to show something here against this Bears, getting all this prep time against the Bears. So I wouldn't be against even taking the, the Rams at 7.5. It's it's not good with the hook, but it's probably not going to be a, a popular contest pick either. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that this uh, line is really just all about the Bears' inability to protect the quarterback and going up against that L.A. Rams defensive line. That really is where the handicap starts and ends for me. I think, uh, well, I mean, you also, I think there's a coaching mismatch too between McVay and Matt Nagy. And uh, given the McVay's prowess to want to start hot and game plan, I'm sure he'll have a lot of tricks ready with Matt Stafford. Right, exactly. What do you make of the total move? I hadn't noticed that previously going up here between these two teams. You know, it's hard to say. I I, I would say that initially they thought this was going to be just a slugfest between two great defenses. But, I mean, they probably see that the Rams can score more points on the Bears than, than vice versa. And who knows, with Andy Dalton... I don't know if they were anticipating having, um, what's his name, Justin Fields. Fields. So who knows if they could, you know, what's the story here. But I think that Andy's probably going to turn the ball over. So that's going to help the Rams score more points too. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, The last game is Baltimore going to Vegas and the Raiders. And this is going to be a big deal because it's going to be, obviously, the first time they can have fans at, at the new Raiders stadium. Um, as well as the Rams, too, right? The Rams were a new stadium last year, so those are both primetime games. A little aside, our, our buddy Greg Gallagher, he's actually going to be at both of those. He had to tell me, oh, I can't make it to Vegas. I'm going to see the Bears play the Rams. And then I'm flying to Vegas and seeing going to the Monday Night Football games. He works <laughs> the booze companies. I'm like, congratulations, Modelo. Um, and, yes, Luke, I should get free Modelo for my buddy. But, anyway, um, Baltimore is going to, the, to Vegas they open as a five and a half point favorite on the road, 52 point total. It's down to four and a half in consensus and 51 point total, all the way down to four in the contest. Probably trying to bait, you know, people into taking them, uh, or you know, taking maybe the the Raiders. I don't know at some point. I don't love these this news. We've kind of t- alluded to, you know, the, the injuries that are happening with Baltimore. You know, they've lost three running backs now. It doesn't mean they. And you said Marcus Peters could be out. Yep. It looks like the reports are that he also tore his ACL in practice this afternoon, along with the running back, Gus Edwards. Right. So it just kind of feels, I know it may not be the same, but feels a lot like San Francisco last year, where they're just losing players left and right. The season hasn't even started yet. It doesn't mean I love the Raiders. I don't like this team. And, and Baltimore's defense could still play really well, but mm-hmm. I don't love this situation for the Ravens, so I can't really get on board with them. I may have originally thought that, but now I can't. Yeah, I definitely agree that the Ravens are not a team you want to be backing right now in this spot. I I do think, though, even though we talked about how the home field advantage is going to be somewhat mitigated for Las Vegas this season, I do think that out of any of the games, this one will probably give them the biggest motivational edge just from a pure energy standpoint. Sure. And um, if anything, I'll probably be looking to take Las Vegas in the first half just kind of following that mantra that they'll come out with a little bit of extra energy with the crowd behind them. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And that's something that we, you know, we talk, we focus on this podcast really on our picks for the contest, which is the static full game line. Action is a wizard at it. And many people are and really most pro betters are really good at in-game wagering, which is something you should look into. We'll talk more and more about it through the season is basically looking at the flow of the game, maybe looking at the original line and maybe going back on a certain way if the game is going out of hand one way because it'll probably come back. It usually does. So there's good opportunities to kind of win money in the game, even if you've kind of blown your your cover in the first half or something on the other way, uh, in like our contest picks, for example. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it sounds like we got a lot of good options here to pick from. I, I was a little worried when I first started looking at this last week. I have a little more convection with some of these. It looks like we have – you know, it's like six or seven seven options yeah. for our picks, which is great. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We'll we'll definitely define our picks, and we'll probably put them in when we're there, right? I, I'd imagine we on Saturday when we get in there. Yeah, I mean, we could uh, wait until to the two o'clock. No, I guess it's three o'clock uh, Pacific time deadline, but that right. could be a little bit risky since we are planning to be at Stadium Swim all day. As the time wears on, the the chances of us missing the pick window greatly increases if anybody saw the picture from march madness of me at stadium swim uh yeah there's a pretty good chance i should be making picks at that point i can roll some dice but 
completely shit-faced. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect there's going to be a lot of late-breaking news this week either, so I think we'll be safe to get it in probably sometime in the morning. Right. Well, that kind of wraps up the NFL segment. Uh, we'll just kind of talk here about our trip that starts tomorrow, and we're, we obviously have our, our man who's at Circa right now, and I don't know if you got to see the picture action. He's already he's, He looks upon the uh, Circa Stadium swim pool nice. from his room, which he got comped, you know, because he hit the big slot over there. So we're looking forward to that. We got, you know, prime time's going to hit hit us there as well. I don't, you know, you're probably going to arrive about the same time. Are we going to meet up with uh, Mr. E-Fantasy tomorrow? Yeah. I texted him with Cola. He's there now. He had a draft this morning and one more tonight and another one tomorrow morning. He's Mr. Oh. Drafting Machine right now. But he'll be around tomorrow evening and leaving Saturday. Great. We'll definitely have to hit a craps table to see if we can uh, duplicate some action of a couple years ago. And uh, if you are in the area, I know one of my volleyball buddies uh, is, is supposed to be in the area. I'll be texting him. Hopefully he can meet up at Stadium Swim. We ended up bagging on the you know cabana but we'll definitely already have ga tickets and we're going to be there saturday and then sunday we haven't decided where we're going to go but um definitely wanted to catch the action at some of the books and obviously it's going to be 102 degrees action so we'll have to figure some indoor venues as well definitely it's hot <laughs> exactly um all right everybody well that wraps up this uh, edition of the uh side action podcast follow me at, at Wegspool on twitter and instagram and follow us at side action pod on twitter and you can follow me on twitter at 31 s roberts all right good luck in week one and we'll check back in after our big trip and see how everybody did enjoy everyone that's a wrap for this episode of the side action podcast we appreciate all of your listens and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.